Good to see you. Good to see all of you today in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Are you excited about God? Yes. Are you excited about his word? Yes. Well, you better be. You better be because that's a, that's a key to what we're talking about here. I'm excited to thank God for Elder Baker who ministered on Wednesday night. What a tremendous message. Amen. Tremendous, tremendous message that he ministered on Wednesday night while we're reflecting God. And uh, that's big. That's big. Our lives should be reflecting God. We are God's sons and daughters made in his image and his likeness. And our lives ought to look just like his life. Amen. The life of God. The Zoe life is the life of God. And that's what Jesus Christ came to give us. Amen. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come that you might have life. It's the Zoe. And have it more abundantly. And uh, so that's the life that we're supposed to be living out and enjoying. And Elder Baker did, did a great job. And we appreciate that. Amen. And um, thank God to know that we're, when, when we're out of town, the church is in good hands. Amen. I don't have to come back to a wreck. Amen. We have, we have, I mean, I feel like a, like one of those guys who owns uh, one of those horse uh, farms with a whole stable full of stallions out there that can preach the word. I could just put the, put the microphone in your hand right now. You can go, right? Right? I can give you the microphone. You can just go, go to town because you're in the word. And I think I know that what's supposed to happen is that we're always, all of us are supposed to always be prepared with the word of God. Amen. If we're living the, this life of uh, constant connection with God, we're always uh, walking in revelation. You can get revelation at a grocery store. You can get revelation while you're driving your car, revelation while you're on your job. And as you're meditating the word of God, um, he's saying great things to us all the time. All the time. So I appreciate all of you uh, who are in the Word of God like that. Amen? All right, let's get into the, this Word today. Deuteronomy 28. I've got a lot to say, and I don't know if I'll finish. Hopefully, I'll finish because I know the next message I want to preach too. So I hopefully I'll finish this one here. Amen? Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2. And then we'll skip to verse 8, and then we'll skip to verse 12. You got it? Okay, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2. Let's read that together. Ready, read. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 8, please. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Praise the Lord. He's giving you land. Wow. He'll bless you in it. You're not going to be struggling in it. He's going to bless you in it. Verse 12 through verse 14. Let's read together. Ready? Read. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. No, New Living says because you won't have to. You won't have to. Tell, tell your neighbor you'll never have to borrow again. For anything. 
Tell them again, for anything. anything. Glory to God. Verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I'm commanding you today, and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or the left to go after other gods to serve them. All right, a whole lot of stuff in that. I want to focus on verse 1 and 2. It shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today. Let me just fix something real quick. Let me fix something for all the, all the grace people. Uh, because when I read this, grace people will say, well, we're not under this law anymore. And I understand that we're not under the law. We're not under those 660-something laws that the Jews had to keep to maintain their righteousness. No, we're not under that. But we still are under his commands. See, God commands you every day. God gives you commandments every day. And the 10, the first of all, the big 10, we are still under those. You, you shall not murder. Okay, try doing it and see what happens. You shall not steal. Try doing it and see what happens. So we're still under that. You should not commit adultery. Try it and see what happens. Okay? So we're, not, we're still under that. But I'm talking about God is, is a commander who commands us every single day of our lives. If we're listening and heeding the voice of God, he's commanding us into our prosperity, into our peace, into our, into our bountifulness, into our greater anointing. He's always giving us instruction. So it says if we obey his command, he says, which I command today, that the Lord your God, here's what he's going to do. He'll set you high above all nations of the earth. Verse 2. Here's verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Overtaken means you're, you've crossed the tipping point. You've crossed the tipping point when blessings start overtaking you because now you're not chasing blessings. Blessings are chasing you. Amen? Now, he gave some qualifications here. I'm not going to deal with all these because I, I have six that the Lord wants me to share with you. Hopefully, I can get through them today. But I, so today, I want to talk about the tipping point part two, critical mass. The tipping point part two, critical mass. Father, thank you for the word. We receive it with thanksgiving. Let it be unto us according to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Praise the Lord. So 2019, the Lord has declared for us this to be the year of abundant manifestation. The year of abundant manifestation. I wish somebody would say that with me. The year of abundant manifestation. Say it again. The year of abundant manifestation. Glory to God. So God has great plans to manifest not only abundance, but abundantly. In other words, not just a lot of something, but a lot of things. In a lot of ways, God wants to manifest in our, in our family lives. God wants to manifest in our physical lives. God wants to manifest in our spiritual lives. God wants to manifest in our financial lives. God wants, wants to manifest in your school. He wants to manifest in your business. He wants to manifest on your job. He wants to manifest in your neighborhood. He wants to manifest in this house. Abundantly. 
so it's a year of abundant manifestations. This year, uh, I, my wife and I were just, just returning, as she mentioned yesterday, from uh, Kentucky. We were part of this uh, gathering of the prophets, and the Lord gave me the, the uh, opportunity to minister there on Wednesday night uh, uh, there in Frankfurt. We had a great time ministering. I hope some of y'all were able to catch that uh, Wednesday night online. Uh, but as we ministered, uh, dad, my spiritual dad, uh, Apostle Derber, ministered on 2019 being the year of visitation. The year of visitation. He ministered a, a bit of that when he was here back in November, but he ministered it more extensively uh, while we were there this past week. And this, this, in other words, what God is saying is that this is a year that God's going to visit his people in a tremendous way. You, he walked through scripture. We can see that you just study the word of God. Wherever God visited his people, supernatural, phenomenal things began to happen. In the book of Ruth, the Bible talks about Ruth and, and, and Naomi and so forth. It talks about how they heard that God had visited his people by giving them bread. By giving them bread. Jesus Christ was on his way to the city of Nain, uh, past the city of Nain, and ran into a woman, with, and they were in a funeral service for her dead, her only son. She's a widow and her only son has died. But all of a sudden, Jesus Christ stops her. He stops the whole funeral process, touches, touches the casket and calls a son, raises him up. And the Bible says that God visited his people. So whenever God visits, and this is what the Lord said to me on that, that night, that there can be no visitation without a manifestation. That whenever God visits his people, there will be a manifestation. At the same time, you need to understand, there can be no manifestation without a visitation. That God, we need God to visit us. In fact, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me uh, break it down a little bit further. You can have manifestation in your life without visitation. Because you can work your faith. Right? We walk by faith and not by sight. Four times the Bible says the just shall live by faith. So you and I can work our faith and manifest things. But there's something that happens that God wants to take us to in this year. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Remember, I've been teaching about grace and purpose and so forth. There's a, something that God wants to bring in our lives that goes beyond our faith. My wife and I, when we, when we landed in, uh, we flew into Louisville uh, International Airport there. And uh, when we got off the plane, you get off the plane and we're on our way to the, to the luggage uh, baggage area. And so we had, there's, there's three speeds that you can travel going from uh, our side to luggage. One, you can walk. And walking will get us there. Right? But then they had something in, in the, in the air, airport there, something called moving sidewalks. Looks like an escalator, but it's flat. And so rather than just walk, which would get us there, we can get on a moving escalator and now stand. We can rest. And the, es that the moving sidewalk takes us where we want to go. So now... Here's one. We walk by faith. But then you get on the escalator and now there's a grace that takes you there. And so we can manifest, we can get where we want to by faith, walking by faith, but it'll take a while. 
Come on, no, don't, don't be discouraged. It'll take a while. Any of y'all been walking by faith for some time and you get frustrated? I have breaking news for you. It'll take a while. Don't cast away your confidence. It has great recompense of reward. It'll take a little while. The Bible says through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So we, you can walk and get there, but you can also get on this moving sidewalk that now you can, you can rest in that and it'll take you a little faster to where you want to be. But even on that moving sidewalk, they use, use have a sign there that says, uh, please, if you're just going to stand, I'm just uh, putting my own words, if you're just going to stand and let it carry you, please move to the right. So others who are going to walk on this moving sidewalk can get past you. So I can either walk by faith, take my time, or I can get on this moving sidewalk and now let it take me. I'll get there a little bit faster now than, than I would by walking. Grace is carrying me. Or... I can, I can even get on the moving sidewalk and keep walking. So now not, only is, now, not only is there the grace of God carrying me or the power of that sidewalk carrying me, but my own effort is still involved and I'm getting there much faster than I would just walking by faith. Oh, you follow me. So what's happening is if for us, we can walk by faith and get there. But God wants to take us to a place where this year, when he visits, when he begins to move, when he begins to manifest, things start happening much quicker. Where now blessings start coming on us and overtaking us. You got it? So visitation comes with manifestation. So I told you last week this is going to be a historical year for the body of Christ. It's going to be a very historical year. I believe that God's ready to reveal some things. Open your Bibles real quick. In fact, no, don't, don't look it in your Bible. I want to put it on the screen because I want to use the King James Version of this. Uh, most of y'all have the New King James. Romans 8 and verse 18 and 19. Romans 8 and verse 18 and 19. I want you to see something here. Glory to God. It says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, what we've been dealing with, are not worthy to be compared with what? The glory which shall be revealed in us. So there's a glory that's going to be revealed in us. There's something God has greater that's going to be revealed in us. Now watch verse uh, 19, please. It says, for the earnest expectation of the creature, or your new King James says creation. So we're talking about here all the world waiteth or waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. So all creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. All creation is waiting for the sons of God to be manifest and to manifest. Okay? Creation, groaning, travailing, waiting. Everything in the universe is waiting to see for God. Show us who the real sons of God are. Will, will the real sons of God please stand up? In other words, what creation is saying here. The, the, I mean, creation didn't move by church folk. Creation didn't move by Christians. Creation is waiting for the real sons of, and daughters of God to be revealed so we can know who they really are. And the world needs to know who the sons of God really are. In fact, give me this same ver, uh, verse, verse 19, in the, uh, the contemporary English version, please, the CEV. I want you to see this here. 
the CEV. It says, in fact, all creation is eagerly waiting for God to show who his children are. So, in other words, there are a lot of lookalikes. Oh, what? Y'all don't like that. There are a lot of phonies, a lot of fraudsters, a lot of imitators. They pretend submission to God. But the Bible says that God will make a difference. And he's going to reveal who the real sons and daughters of God actually are. Don't be surprised if not everybody in church is revealed as a son or daughter of God. Because you can be a Christian, you can be a church member and not be living as a son or daughter of God. But God's going to reveal in this time, I mean this year, he's going to begin making a difference. Hallelujah. The, 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 oh, glory to God. Malachi. Hallelujah. Malachi. And chapter uh, I believe it's three. Malachi three, verse 17. Verse 16. I'm going to start at verse 16. Y'all thought I was going to talk about the tithe. No, look at verse 16. Then those who fear the Lord spoke to one another. Those who fear the Lord, those who reverence the Lord spoke to each other. And the Lord listened. The Lord listened to your conversations. He reading your, all your uh, Instagram posts. God know he knows what you're doing, right? So he listened and heard them. And so a book, y'all better be careful now. So a book of remembrance was writ written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Now watch verse seven, 17. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels. On the day that I, I uh, make them my jewels, uh, in other words, really to make them my jewelry, it, it's, it's to take some, a precious stone and to set it. Uh, I have in my possession uh, a bag full of rough, uncut precious stones. We went to Africa about uh, a little over 10 years ago, and I have a whole bag full of beautiful, precious, uncut Rough. Glory to God. They're worth some money, too. <laughs> uh, but in their current state, they're not, they're not very uh, appealing. They're, they're, not, they're not marketable. They have to go through a tumbling process. Y'all better wake up and listen to what I'm saying. They have to go through a tumbling process. Where they, they, a jeweler, uh, the, these, these gemologists, they take these stones and they tumble them. They, they, they rough them up. And they, they knock off this, the, the, the stuff that, that's not going to stay there. And they begin to, to put them against, against a, a stone. And they begin to sand them down and wear them down until they come out with something beautiful. You don't, you don't want to, want, you know, you get engaged and they put a, an uncut rough stone on your Like, what is that? But inside that, but inside that, there's something beautiful, something precious, something that, oh my God, if you saw it, you have to, oh my God. And some folk don't like going through that process of the tumbling 
But what happens is God is taking you through that, allowing you to go through that so that you can come out as pure gold. So he's, he's going to make you his jewels. He's gonna, and, and once that jewel's made, you know, uh, when, when, you, when, when, <laughs> when you have jewelry, you know, I got this beautiful ring here. That's, and this, that's all real. That's pretty. It's pretty. I know it's pretty. You ain't got to tell me. I'm, I know it's pretty. It's pretty. God gave it to me. I was thinking about that this morning. I'm on my way here, how God gave me that. I, I was just thinking, I said, God, you gave me that. That's beautiful. He ministered that to me. That's all real. But I don't wear it like this. Don't be mad because you don't either. You don't wear your jewelry like that. Come on, Tamara. You got that ring on your finger now. You don't wear that ring like that. You wear it like that. Some of y'all mad. You wear that stuff like that. Why? Because it's meant to be shown. So when God makes up his jewels, he's, he wants to show us all to the world. That's all I'm trying to say to you guys, that he's about to bring us out of obscurity, out of the dark, out of the back, out of, out of the hidden into the open and reveal to the whole world who his sons and daughters are. You're about to be put on display for God if... He says, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves them. Verse 18, then, then, when I put them on display, then you shall again discern between the church and the unchurched. No, the righteous and the wicked between one who serves God and him who does not serve. So God's going to make it apparent who's really been serving him. <laughs> and he said he's going to do it by showing you off. Y'all didn't catch what I'm saying. <laughs> that, that's, that, this, is, this is God's M.O. <laughs> he's not going to do it by, well, certain people, they're going to have, he didn't mention anything about a greater anointing. And that's good. We're supposed to walk in a greater anointing, but he didn't mention anything about, about you know, your, your prayer life. That's good. We're supposed to have all that. He's saying, by, I'm going to make them my jewels. I'm going to make it so apparent, so vivid, so brilliant, so spectacular to the world. So, you know, when they, when they cut a diamond, they, 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 they try to find the diamond with the least amount of inclusions. The least cloudy. The, the more, the, 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 the more uh, clarity that they have, the more valuable it is. If they have a, you know, diamonds don't come that little, that small. Some of y'all got them little chips, them little thing like that. They don't come that small. They, that's not how they, that's like leftover. This guy, uh, Tim Tebow, some of y'all know Tim Tebow. He just, he just got engaged, I heard here. I read online, they said he, gave, he just got engaged to a uh, former Miss Universe, a very pretty young lady. And, um, and uh, he gave her a seven and a half carat solitaire. Solitaire means it's one stone. One stone. Not all these chips that made up. I know it's, it's one stone. Chips are the residue of the of the of the of the big cut. Chips is like like uh, hog malls. Y'all y'all understand what I'm saying? 
Don't, don't get mad at that if you got chips. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, see, the hog malls is what the slaves used to eat because that's, that's all they leave over. Pig's feet, you know, y'all like barbecue pig's feet today. Back in, back in the day, pig's feet was a, it was a leftover meat. Oxtails, we love oxtails, don't we? Make, make oxtails cheap again, Lord. <laughs> they used to be cheap because it was a leftover meat. Master didn't want the oxtails, so all the slaves got the oxtails. Now, now they found out the oxtails pretty good. Now they braise oxtails and taking the bone and they're, they're, they're taking a little thing and they're eating the, the marrow out of the oxtails. Give me my oxtails back, man. Praise the Lord. All right, I got I to gotta keep going here. <laughs> make America great again? No, make oxtails cheap again. That's what <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. That's how you win the next election. Oxtails in every pot. Not, not no chicken. Oxtails in every pot. A slow cooker, boy, you'll just be all right. Amen. All right, come on back. Come on back, everybody. Come on back. So, again, God's ready to show off his children. Amen. Lord's will and wins, I'm going to teach on visitation, manifestation, and revelation. We'll get there. Amen? We're the sons of God. We're the sons of God. We're children of God. I heard Elder Baker trying to get y'all to sing that song Wednesday night. Y'all struggling quite a bit. You knew it. Okay. All right. It didn't sound like y'all knew it. Y'all know it now? Yes. No, I ain't going to start it off. Y'all start it off and y'all, y'all, oh, that's, oh, that's how it works. That's the same way y'all do it. Scoop. my children. Praise the Lord. That's, that's great. That's great. Praise the Lord. We got to get that. See, this, this year, this year, my wife and I were talking about this this morning at home. See, we, we've got to come up to Godspeed. You know, back in the day, they used to say, you know, I bid you Godspeed. That means bless, bless on your journey. But no, we've got to come up to God's speed. And sons live at God's speed. In my office this morning, in my, my desk, I opened my desk looking for something. And I found a little piece of paper, something I had written. I don't even know how long ago I wrote this, but it was a long time ago. And I, I, what I wrote on there, it said, there is... A limitless, boundless realm of manifestation. 
It says, of glory rather, of glory. And it says, I have access to it now. But one day we'll all live in it. One, one day we're going to all live perpetually in that boundless, limitless realm. But we have access to it now. And we, gotta, we operate in it by coming up to God's speed. Y'all with me? All right, I got to get going here. I got to get going. So I talked about last week the tipping point. And how we said, God said to me last Friday, two Fridays ago now, that the scales this year are going to tip in our favor. The scales are going to tip in, in our favor. Tell your neighbor, the scales are going to tip in your favor. Glory to God. Glory to God. Things are, things are going to begin coming your way. Things are going to begin coming, tipping towards you. It's been feeling like things have been, have been sliding away from you. Things have been getting away from you. But God said, no, I'm flipping it now where the skill is going to tip in your favor. Things are going to start coming towards you, coming on you and overtaking you. I believe that. I believe that. See, you know, and I, when I say I believe that, I'm not believing it by faith. I'm believing it by experience. See, I'm already at a place now where God has gotten me to a place, my wife and I, where things have already started tipping in our favor. So, and, and don't be mad at that. You got to take that because, listen, listen, I can, I can never take you where I ain't been. I can't lead you somewhere I'm not going myself or I'm not already there. So, so you don't want me talking about how God is a healer and then... <clears throat> Oh, man, I sat next to a man on the plane yesterday. That joker was coughing and hacking. God, I'm casting down. I, my wife went to sleep. I never went to sleep the whole flight. I'm, oh. name of Jesus, no germ virus touches my body. It'll all die. That's in Jesus' name. I, I can't, I don't have time to be sick. Glory to God. So I got to walk in what I'm talking about. So you can walk in it. I got to go through the gate. You got it? All right, so the scales are tipping in your favor, all of our favor this year. Hallelujah. And so we, the Lord gave me this phrase, again, two Fridays ago, I never heard, that I recall, didn't know what it meant, called the tipping point. The tipping point. Me to get on the screen for us, please. The tipping point is the critical point in a situation, process, or system beyond which a significant an often unstoppable effect or change takes place. Y'all got that? It's the, the point beyond which a significant and unstoppable effect or change takes place. Significant. I was telling Deacon Gershom in this morning, I was, I've been just meditating on this yesterday and thinking about how um, in a, on a company's growth chart, how there's, they, they like to see growth that goes like this. You know, it starts out flat when you first start business, right? Are y'all business people listening to me? It starts out like this, but then it begins to just gradually tick up. It starts climbing. You always want to see that kind of growth. But if you do it, do what you're supposed to do, enough, eventually that, that, that uh, angle 
doesn't go like that, it begins to, to curve and go upward. That's what you want. That's when a company has hit the tipping point. And God is saying, this year, you're going to cross over your tipping point. So you've been seeing gradual increase. Y'all missed what I'm saying. And many times, because it's just gradual, you, you, it's not significant to you. You think nothing's happening. And you feel like throwing a towel, quitting, going back because I'm not seeing this. Well, it, that, that's not how it happens. There's a point you have to hit. That when you hit that point, then there'll be a significant and unstoppable effect or change that takes place in your life. So you can't be frustrated by the gradual. You'll eventually get there. Tell you that, but you'll eventually get there. I'll tell them the root, the root word of eventually is event. Is event. Right? You'll eventually get there. So the root word of eventual, eventually or eventual is event. So in other words, there'll be events in your life. I was riding here again on the way here this morning, just, just meditating, just thinking about God. And I, I thought about that ring. I thought about, you know, when the, when, one of the early times that uh, my spiritual dad came here to this, to this church. And I thought about God. You set that event up. You set up this meeting. You set up that time. You set up this connection. It was an event that you used to begin to change my life. It didn't, nothing significant happened, but just gradually. But what happens is if you keep going and you, and you mark and celebrate the events, there will come a big event. You ever heard the phrase big event? There will come a big event and that this big event will make a significant change in your life. I believe this is going to be a year full of big events. Oh, you better receive that today. Like the, this is going to be a year full of big events. You've been having experience in all your events, the, all your events. But this year will be a year of big events. Glory to God. And if you position yourself right, you're going to experience the big event. Glory to God. Now, so we talked about how there's a place that you come to in God where your progress becomes significant and substantial, becomes irreversible and often unstoppable. All right? Now, let me move this out here. I'm hearing too much feedback here. All right. So, go back to Deuteronomy 28 here. Thank you, Lord. So, we're, we're getting overtaken this year. It's, it's a place where everything begins to accelerate in your life. Deuteronomy 28 says in verse 2 that these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. 
blessings come upon you and overtake you. Overtake you. They come on you and overtake you. Imagine standing in the, out in the Gulf, don't, not, not on the bay, go to the Gulf of Mexico near here, or if you were to cross over and to, to the East Coast and go to the Atlantic Ocean, if you were to go and stand in those waves, those waves will uh, come on you and they will overtake you. Am I right about it? Uh, you can stand there and try to use all the strength you have, but if you, the right, eventually the right wave will come along and knock you off your feet. To the point where you can't stand, you got to swim. That's the description of Ezekiel 47. When the Bible said, talk, talk about how you got in that river, that river was ankle deep. And then you went out a little further and it was knee deep. Went out another thousand feet or so and it was waist deep. Another thousand feet, it was so deep you had to swim in it. In other words, now these, these things begin to come on you and overtake you. And that's where God has taken us this year, where, where those blessings are going to come on us and overtake us. Hallelujah. I showed you last week about this man named Abraham, our father in the faith, who blessings came up upon him and overtook him. Genesis 13, 2 says that Abraham was very rich, or Amplified says extremely rich in silver and cattle, in, in, in gold, silver and gold and cattle. And he had all these things. God overtook him with blessings. In fact, he was so overtaken, he had crossed that tipping point that down in verse 6, I believe it is, it talks about him and uh, Lot. They, they, had, they both had so much that the land could not contain them. And God wants you to have this problem of too much. Hallelujah. Some of us, some of us can't, can't even fathom yet too much, but God has a too much mindset. In fact, God, all ever God does is too much. Anything God ever does, it's always too much. Glory to God. When they, they had manna come from, from, the, from the sky, it was too much. When Jesus Christ fed the 5,000, it was too much. When they went out on the boat and caught fish, it was too much. God never does anything just enough. God is always a too much minded God. And he's looking for people who can handle too much. Glory to God. The problem with most of us is we can't handle too much yet. We, we have such a, such a too little mindset. We have a scarcity mindset, a lack mindset, because, we, because we're, we're looking at the condition. We're not walking by faith. We're walking by sight. And we keep having a, a too little mindset. And God is saying, I, I can't work with you. I need you to get a too much mindset. Where blessings come on you and overtake you, you cross this tipping point in your life where you never return. Are you you're with me here? All right, now. Now, I showed you about Abraham. I taught, showed you about Isaac. Can I show you Isaac again? Genesis 26. Turn over there real quick. Genesis 26. Get there real fast. Verse 12. Then Isaac sold him that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. What happened when the Lord blessed him? The man began to prosper. Come on. Continue prospering until very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Watch verse, verse uh, 16. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are much mightier than we are. What, he wasn't talking about you're stronger in, all, in your military, not stronger in your body. He said you got too much money for us. You're too big for us to handle. We, 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 can't, we can't handle how big you've gotten. 
Now, what you got to understand, I don't have time to go through all this, but you read in your own time. They, they said, get away from us because you're too much for us. The problem is when they sent him away, their economy went down. So much so that you read down near the end or later on in that chapter, they went back and found him and said, hey, come back. We need you. God wants you to have so much that you affect the economy around you. Boy, 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 boy. God wants you business owners to be so big in your business that every, everybody else needs to do business with you or else they don't survive. Come on, we're talking about the head. Not the tail. Above only. Not beneath. So God wants the people, the same folk who envy you, your family, your friends, who can't stand your stinking behind no more, have to come back and find you and say, please come back. Please come back. We need you in our economy. Thank you, Lord. Are you understanding what we're talking about here? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I'm talking about us having an economic impact. Sitting this about rent. Get past your rent. I'm talking about economic impact. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, I'm going to say this for free, and then I'll come back to it. The reason why we're struggling with rent is because we keep struggling with rent. Because we have a rent mentality. And not an economic impact mentality. So you, here's a problem. Because you can only come up to what, what, you, what you're dealing with. Because your mind is still set on rent, that's all you can ever come up to with, come up to at, at your best. But if you come up to an economic impact mindset, your rent gets swallowed up in that. Oh, forget it. Boy, I, I got to find the right church to preach to. I got to find somebody who ain't so doggone uh, thinking about their, their, little, their little scarcity and sees past. That you can think so big. Think beyond yourself. When you think beyond yourself, then everything you need and desire gets swallowed up in that. Glory to God. So tipping point. Everybody say tipping point. Tipping point. I, can I show you one more example of this here? Yes, in the Acts, the Acts 2 church, they, they hit the tipping point. Oh, yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. In, in Acts chapter uh, 1 verse 15, the Bible said there were 120 of them. In Acts 1 15. In Acts 2 verse 41, said now there are uh, 3,000 were added to them. So they're, they're added. Glory to God. And in, in, in I told you about the 120. The Bible says in 120, they were counted. But now in, in Acts 2.41, they were added. By the time you get to Acts 4 and verse 4, now they were numbered. About 5,000 men. But from there, it begins to take off. I mean, to go from 120 to 3,000 is big. A significant event happened. 
But now they go into countless numbers in Acts 5, verse 14. The Bible says that disciples were increasingly added. So they went from added now to increasingly added. Then in chapter 6, verse 1, it said that they, were, they now were multiplying. You notice now there's no numbers? Now they're increasingly added. Now they're multiplying. Then in Acts 6, verse 7, now, now it says they begin to multiply greatly. Now we just stop counting. And, and, now, and now here we are, 2018, with millions and millions and millions and millions of believers who have, who have all become part of the same body of Christ because the body of Christ hit a tipping point. And now we're unstoppable, irreversible, we're significant. We're meant to impact this whole world. Are you with me on this? The tipping point causes everything in your life to run over. Everybody say running over. In Psalm 23, verse 5, Psalm 23, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Everybody say runs over. Whenever God anoints you, whenever God blesses you, he wants your cup to run over. Everybody say running over. Glory to God. Glory to God. My cup, my life is about to run over. Give me that same verse in the New Living Translation, please. The New Living, NLT. The NLT, watch this. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Notice he's not talking about my cup overflowing with oil. People make this that, that God's talking about you just being over, overflowing with anointing. No, from, from, from the very first verse, verse 1. He's talking about you not wanting, not liking anything because you have a good shepherd. So the whole thing is about you overflowing with God's blessings, his divine protection, his divine provision, his divine power, his divine presence in your life. Are you hearing me today? My life is going to overflow from now on. Somebody better repeat after me. My life is going to overflow from now on. This is the year everything's going to take off. Significant events are going to happen in my life this year. I don't know what it is. I don't know when it'll be. But something so big. I wish I had a one witness. Something so big is on God's calendar for my life this year. I'm in expectation that any day, any day, something so big is going to break me out. Of all that poverty, all that lack, all that debt, out of that depression, out of that bondage. It's going to be this year. Overflow. 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 How long have we been singing about them living in overflow? We've been singing that by faith. Oh, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Come on, tell the truth. Somebody tell the truth now. We've been singing it by faith. But something's going to happen this year. You're going to receive the end of your faith. And what you've been singing in hope, what you've been singing by faith, you're going to sing by experience. I'm living in the overflow. I'm living in the overflow.
How are we going to know you don't flow? All of a sudden, everything about you starts to change. Everything, you, you start driving a little different, start looking a little different, start, you start dressing a little different, everything. Then all of a sudden, they, they see you out there blessing people. What? How you bless people like that? Oh, overflow. My wife, my wife and I, we, we, we uh, at the end of last year, uh, she, she was excited at first about something because we had given one of our kids a, a, a pretty, pretty nice size gift uh, for her, her birthday and, uh, at the end of the year. And so my wife, she was excited. She was like, man, that was great. It was like, like a $1,000 gift. And, and I was like, no, we didn't really spend 1000 you know, but thank God because we partnered with some other people on it and, uh, the, you know, whatever. That's neither here nor there. And she's like, oh, man, I was hoping we had given our first $1,000 just gift. Now, we've sown $1,000 seeds left and right. I mean, that's just that's what we do. Um, um, so that's why I don't, I don't, you know, repent or apologize for being blessed. We sow $1,000 seeds all the time. That's, amen, amen. We, 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 in fact, we, say, we challenge ourselves now. We're going for the $5,000 seeds. And we've done that before. Actually, we did that years ago. Many, many years ago, many years ago, we sold a $5,000 seed at one time, uh, but it was borrowed money. <laughs> we were so stupid. We were zealous, but we were stupid. Borrowed 5000 to give. But God got us out of debt, though. Matter of fact, that particular debt, can I just tell you this? That particular debt we borrowed the money from, uh, we end up owing them over twenty thousand dollars. They settle for five thousand. So the, the same, right? The same, the same seed we borrowed, the soul. That's what they settle for. So only thing we had to pay back was the money we had borrowed to give. Won't he do it? So anyway, she was a little, oh, oh, wow, I wish we had, you know, I was hoping. And then I said, well, wait, 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 hold on. This 2018, we gave two cars. Thousand? That wasn't nothing. We gave two cars last year. How, how, can, how can y'all give two cars? Overflow? Overflow. And because, and because that's what we're looking to do. The last car we gave away, we, we went, I went shopping for it just for the purpose of giving it away. I went shopping just for a car. This is, I ran into Oscar and, and, and uh, Angie and all of them out there. I, I'm, I'm going to give a car. I'm shopping for a car to give. Who does he think he is? A giver? A sower and a reaper. See, but that's the mindset that when I get an overflow, it's not for me to make me all glamorous. Glam's going to take care of itself. <laughs> God's going to make you his jewel. He's going to beautify the meat with salvation. He's going to make sure you dress nice, look nice, drive nice, live nice, eat nice. He's going to make sure of all that. You make sure you're about his business. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Nobody mad but the devil. Ain't nobody mad but the devil. <laughs> Check your neighbor, make sure they ain't mad either. Don't be like the devil, don't be mad. You're going to give cars away too pretty soon. You're going to be giving away whole cars. You're going to be giving away houses. Come on now. I'm living in the overflow. I'm living in the overflow. It's going to be not by faith. It's going to be by experience. We're going to be living this out. Glory to God. Glory to God. All right, now. The tipping point is crossed when or because something is reached called critical mass. Critical mass. Now, I gave you this definition last week of critical mass. It's a size, number, or amount large enough to produce a particular result. A size, number, or amount large enough to produce a particular result. Again, when I was sitting there that two Fridays ago, I didn't know what tipping point was. And as I start uh, meditating on tipping point, then all of a sudden I heard this phrase, critical mass. I didn't know what that was either. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not an economist. I don't know what these words mean, but they came into my spirit. So I always ask the Lord, Lord, help me to say what I see. And I saw that, and so I'm sharing it with you. So critical mass is that size, number, or amount large enough to produce a particular result. It's, it's, the, it's the, when you hit the place, hit the amount or size large enough for that life-changing event. There, there's, a, there's a life-changing event, a notable event in your life that you have to get to a point where you have done something, enough of something to uh, now catalyze your life. You understand that mean, that mean? This thing becomes a catalyst for your increase to make everything change. And the reality is most Believers, Christians, never get to the critical mass stage. You quit much, much, too, much too easily. Now, I told you last week, the Lord said, some of you have already reached critical mass. <laughs> so because you've already reached critical mass, your tipping point could be any, any minute now. Any moment. <laughs> That's right. Just one phone call, one letter, one, one text, one visit. That's going to shock the sugar right out of your coffee. Any moment. Somebody say any moment, any moment. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. You know, you know if you've not been doing anything that we've been teaching. 
You know if you've not been obeying anything we've been sharing, and you know you've not been heeding anything we've been sharing, you know you're, you're, you're not. So you don't even get, really get excited about tipping point. You don't get really excited about any of this stuff. You just... But some of you, all I got to do is say any moment. You're like, yes. Why? Because I've been working on something. All right, so I'm going I'm to try to very quickly today, through the rest of my time, I don't have a lot of time left, is, is give you these six things, questions you got to answer, as to whether you are at critical mass. It's not for me to answer, it's for you to answer. You got it? So again, how do I get there? How do I build up to critical mass? There's a scripture in Romans 8, 28. I want you to put it on the screen real quick before we, before we get, I'll give you this. Romans 8, chap, uh, chapter 8, verse 28 says, For we know that all things, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So all things work together for good. Now, what thing is he talking about? He's talking about when you get into a car accident or when you lose your job or your, your spouse dies. No, that's not what he's talking about here. It's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about all this, these tragedies that we, the religious church likes to make all your bad stuff mean, you know, God's, God planned all that for you. God did not plan the untimely demise of your loved one. God did not plan that car crash that caused you to be crippled. God did not plan on all these things happening to you. That's not, that's not what he's talking about here. When he said all things, he's, in fact, give me the, uh, Amplified, same verse, amplified. We are sure to know that God being a partner in their labor, their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his design and purpose. So their labor, well, what? who is there? And what's their labor? So you got to make sure you read the whole chapter above that. There's no mention of car accidents in Romans chapter 8. There's no mention of, of your loved one dying young. There's no mention of your house burning down in chapter 8. That's not what that's talking about. It's talking about you working spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body all working together. You're, you, you labor in your spirit, laboring in your soul, and laboring in your body. Laboring in your spirit, laboring in your soul, and laboring in your body. That now all these things, all their labor, Philippians 2, verse uh, 12 and 13. I'll come back to this. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my presence in absence, work out your salvation. How many of y'all know you're saved? Okay, now it says, work out your, your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, watch this. For it is God who works in you, works in you. He's working in you. To both to will and to do and for his good pleasure. So God's working inside you. So God doesn't teach you lessons by laying you flat on your back in the hospital. That's not how God works. He works in you. He works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Got it? 
So Romans 8, 28, Amplified, all these things, uh, their, their labor, God is partnering with them, with, the, with your labor. So when I work things in my spirit, I work things in my soul, and I work things in my body, these things now work together for my good. Got it? Well, how are they working? They're getting me to a place of critical mass that now God pushes me right over the edge of that tipping point, and now I experience significant change in my life. How many of y'all need a significant change in your life? I'm talking about in any area. I know we talk a lot about finances, but some of y'all need a significant change in your marriage. Some of us need a significant change in our, in our, with our children. Some of us need a significant change in our health. You're tired of being uh, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Anybody sick and tired of being sick and tired? I mean, this is, I don't, I don't want to be sick and tired. I don't want to keep having, you know, episodes. We, we were sitting in the airport yesterday waiting, waiting on, our, on, our, on our plane to arrive. Uh, to, to board our plane, and I looked up as soon as we came into the uh, to sit in our area. There's a big old sign. I mean, big sign that would cover this whole thing that said, uh, "Cancer is not a choice, but uh, how you live with it is." I said, "The devil is a lie." I said, "That's a lie." I said, "That's a lie." Just like that. That's a lie. In other words, they're saying you can't choose whether you have cancer or not. That's a lie. I don't accept cancer. I don't receive cancer. Well, Pastor, I have cancer and I didn't choose it. What? Well, get rid of it then. Well, get rid of it then. Well, I can't get rid of it. I'm going to show you. You can get rid of it. Sister Gary, you can get rid of it, can't you? <laughs> Brain cancer. How many? Three years ago now, and everybody wanted her to go through all the traditional route, do this, do that, do this, do that, and she got a hold of God's word and said, I'm going to do what God's word said, and bam, here she is now, three years later, ain't no sign, no cancer, ain't no nothing. Brain cancer. See, it is, it is, it is a choice. See, we, with these significant changes we need in our lives, God, he'll show us how to do it, and let's do it right now. All right? So, how do I get there? Questions you got to ask yourself. Number one, question number one, what am I believing? What am I believing? Write it down. What am I believing? Has my mind been renewed? Does my soul prosper in every area or that particular area? And here's the reality. There are things we, we, we because anything you're going to get from God, anything supernatural, you have to have your believing right. We got we to get our believing right. What do I believe? Do I believe tradition? Do I believe what others have said? Do I believe my experience? Do I believe my lying eyes? What do I believe? Because your eyes will lie to you. Your eyes will play tricks on you. Glory to God. What am I believing? I got to believe that God can and God will. I have to believe that God can. And many, most Christians believe that, right? At least everybody, every Christian believes God can. But many Christians don't believe God will. And even few believe that God will do it for them. 
They'll read what God's word says, but don't, don't see how that, that they can apply that, appropriate that in their own lives. But I got to believe God can, God will, and he'll do it for me. Everybody say, he'll do it for me. Luke chapter 1, verse 45, uh, 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 Mary, uh, Elizabeth said to Mary, Blessed is she who believes, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which God said to her. So when you believe, your believing brings on fulfillment. In other words, uh, Mary had received the word from God, but if she doesn't believe that word, there can be no fulfillment. So you can sit here every Sunday, even come on Wednesdays if you want to, and hear the word I preach or the words we preach all the time. But if you don't now believe that word, there will be no fulfillment. If you just hear it, oh, that sounds good, Pastor. That sounds pretty good. I like that. That's, that's comical. But if you don't believe that word, it'll have absolutely zero impact on your life. And the reason many people have, oh God, the reason many people are not even close to manifestation is because, because we, we, how can I say this, Lord? We don't really believe it. Because believing, unless, unless, unless you are just sold out in faith, not talking about sold out in your Christian walk, sold out in, in the area of faith, it takes you a while to believe something. In other words, you hear something out of my mouth today, you say, oh, that sounds good. It sounds good in your head. But the Bible didn't talk about believing in your head. It said believe in your heart. So you got to work that word from down from your head to your heart, and that takes work. And the work is to get past all the other stuff that you really believe already. And that's the labor that you got to go through in your spirit, man, to get everything to agree with what God's word said. I got so, so that I, the Bible says in Third John chapter one verse two, beloved, I wish above all, I pray above all, that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So you're not gonna prosper or be in health until you believe it down in your sanctified soul. I know this. this See, your, your soul is is talking about who you really are. Your mind, will, and emotions. I made up my mind. This is what it is. See, I'm at a point where I believe things now uh, in an instant way. Uh, it doesn't mean I understand it. But I believe it. In other words, when I read something in God's word, a man of God sends and preaches the word to me, okay, I believe it. Now, Lord, help me understand it. Most folk are trying to go backwards. They're trying to understand before they believe. That's not how we operate. Hebrews 11 verse 3, I believe it says, by faith we understand. So my faith already grabs hold of whatever God's word says. So I, I, I get my faith on it right now, and then my faith now opens the revelation. Okay, oh, now I understand. My wife and I were vowing when we, when we didn't understand vowing. We were sowing seed before we, understood, we didn't understand it. We just, we just believed it. Somebody said, this is how you do it. Okay, that's how I'm going to do it. Now we understand it. Glory to God. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said this, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So everybody say this. Say, if I can believe, all things are possible to me. All things. You move from the realm of impossibility into the realm of full possibility. So what am I believing? Number two. Number two. What am I praying what am I praying? Number one was what? what All right, now believing, you got to have that now before you're praying. 
So what am I praying? What am I praying? Have I made my request known to God? Philippians 4 verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to your husband. I, I, my wife and kids know, know that speech from me real, real good. They come talking about stuff. I say, I tell my wife, you telling the wrong husband, baby. You're speaking to the wrong husband. You got to talk to that one up there about that. Now, it's some, something, you know, I can handle, yeah, but when you, some of the stuff you, you name, you're talking to the wrong husband. My kids come to me with stuff, dad, dad, dad. I go, oh, praise the Lord. Stuff I can handle, praise the Lord. But some of the stuff I say, no, you're talking to the wrong daddy. Most of us, what we need, we're talking to the wrong daddy. We're talking to the wrong husband. We're talking to the wrong friend. We're talking to the wrong confidant. Let your request be made known to God. We're, we're throwing little faith hints to other people and other people who they got their own struggle too. Folk throwing faith hints to the, to the bakers. They know the bakers is borrowing money to feed folk. Am I, am I telling testimony right? We don't, we don't walk by faith hints. We walk by faith. So make your request known to God. So what am I praying? What am I praying? Mark eleven twenty four. Mark eleven twenty four. Get on the screen, please. Mark eleven twenty four. Glory to God. What things soever you desire. I'm in. I'm in the King James. I like King James. Give me King James. Oh, glory, glory to God. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. How many of y'all desire some things? What thing? This is Jesus Christ. In your Bible, if you had a King James, it's in red. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe. So when you pray, you got to believe already. So what am I believing now? Once I have, I'm believing now, what am I praying? So he says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now watch this. He said, the thing you desire, pray that. He didn't say pray what you're going through. What am I praying? Come on now, ask your neighbor, what are you praying? Come on, ask your neighbor, what are you praying? See, most folk, most folk are praying what they're going through. Lord, I'm going through this. Lord, I'm going through that. And Lord, I need this. And Lord, I need that. No, don't pray that. Pray what you desire. Oh, Jesus, help me out. Pray what you desire. That's what he said. Jesus said, what things have you desire when you pray? Pray that. Stop praying what you're going through. Stop praying your mess. Stop praying the hell. Stop praying all the food. Pray what you desire. Pray the end. When? When you pray. When you believe. So now I get in the word and I believe. I, I see that. All right, now, Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you that your word makes me a promise. Your word declares, Father, that if I give it, it be given. Your word declares, Lord, by Jesus Christ, I'm healed. So I come to you. Thank you, Father, that even in the midst of this, I receive my healing. I take my healing. Now I ask you to heal me. I receive my healing. I'm praying my desire. What are you praying? See, the problem is, if we've not done enough of that, the not enough amount, not enough size, we're not reaching critical mass. Pastor, I'm praying. Yeah, but you you praying like this. That's how you praying. No, Philippians 4, 6 says, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. 
thank you, Lord. I receive. I receive. I receive. Listen, every month, Lord, I thank you. I receive my rent this month. I thank you, Lord. My wife and I were talking about that. We were sitting there having a, a breakfast on Saturday or a wait or not. We don't normally eat breakfast, but we were up so early. We said, I got to eat. So I'm sitting there. We're sitting there having breakfast, and we're just sitting there looking about, Lord, it's crazy what you did in our life. We moved where we moved now. It, it, was, it was significantly more than where we moved from. And, and we, we, we weren't fully paying where we were. Y'all don't, don't hear me. You don't hear what I'm saying to you. We weren't fully paying where we were. Pastor, y'all, for real? And it's, it, that's, what, that's what I'm talking about. Because we had not only our home loan, our mortgage, but we had a home equity loan. And the payment was $60, and we couldn't afford it. Six. Zero. Zero. Oh, I need 900 We needed 60 I'm talking about. I'm talking about now, just it'll be six years this March. So I'm talking about just six years ago. We couldn't afford the 60 and then when God says, okay, you got to move, now we're going to move in this place, and it's going to be significantly more, significantly more. <laughs> to the point I'm signing with fear and trembling. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. But you, you want us to do this? Yes, I want you to do this. Okay, we're going to obey God, because it was significantly out of our range, out of, our, out of, out of, out of where we could... Fathom. See, that's why I don't care. Now I don't care nothing about rent going up. Because we couldn't afford to rent when we first moved in. You renting? Pastor, you mean you renting? Yeah, I'm renting. What, what you got to say about that? I'm renting better than you can buy. You try buying what I rent. In a, in a beautiful neighborhood, in a beautiful house, swimming pools, movie stars, Garden of Eden in my backyard. But you just renting, yep. You just buying. Because it ain't yours till you pay it off, so you just buying, so you know, you ain't, you ain't gonna make me feel bad about your, your little mortgage payment. You, you, you skipped two months. Okay, so when I, so but what what I'm, my my point is my point is my point is that when we pray our desire, God will come and match you and then exceed. James chapter one verse six and eight. When you ask, you gotta ask in faith. You got to ask in faith. James 1 verse 6, watch this. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like, like a wave of, he that wavereth, in your believing, is like a wave of the sea driven with uh, the, the wind and tossed. Verse 7, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So if you waver, you don't get anything. So that's why you got to work so hard or work so much at the believing phase. Then you're ready to pray. Number one. What am I believing? Number two? Number three, what am I saying? What am I saying? I'm going to finish this this morning, I think. Glory to God. 
them taters and collard greens and I don't nobody even have any in oxtails. What am I believing? What am I praying? What am I saying? What am I saying? Now I dealt with what am I praying. Now what am I saying? This is different here. This is different. Because you got to understand the authority you have. When you pray, you're, you're, you're asking God for things. But when you say, you're speaking and declaring things. You got it? So what am I saying? I'm the prophet of my own life. Y'all got this. I'm the prophet of my own life. Glory to God. Can I go? I, I got to go back to something I, I needed to share with you on, on what, am I, what am I praying? Because, because God, God had, to, had to reprimand me on this for this because I was getting carried away. He said, no, go back. Uh, on what am I praying? Matthew 6, verse 10. Matthew 6, verse 10. You got to put it on the screen for me, please. Matthew 6, verse 10. Glory to God. This is Jesus talking about when you pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is important. This is, this, tell you that, but this is very important. Tell them this is extremely important. This is the most important thing you can hear right now. Is that all this, in all this, our agenda needs to be about God's kingdom. Because we can get so caught up in asking about me, 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 my, 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 I, I, I that we forget we're here as ambassadors, we're here to bring forth and manifest the kingdom of God on this earth. So when in our prayer lives, what am I praying? I must be praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not just in my life as it is in heaven, but on earth as it is in heaven. We've got to, we've got to begin to have an earthwide prayer life. That is more than just me and my house and my family and my job and my business and my career. It's about God, what is your agenda on this whole planet? Because, because really, oh God, because what God wants to do in my life is part of a big plan. It's part of a master plan. It's part of a big picture. So if I'm praying about my house, y'all uh, listen to me. If I'm praying about my house or my car, the reason why God wants to give me my house or my car is so that the world can see my house and my car and I, God can use that to lead them to him. We get to enjoy it. He richly gives us all things to enjoy. We get to enjoy it, but the ultimate purpose is about God's will and God's kingdom, his, everything about his agenda being made manifest on this planet. The Holy Ghost wouldn't let me go. You got to go back and say that. Tell your neighbor, it's bigger than you. All right, so then, number three, now I can say number three. What am I saying? Because I'm the prophet of my own life, but I'm also a prophet to the world. Y'all, y'all miss it. I'm not only a prophet of my own life, I'm also a prophet to this world. You know the Bible says in Proverbs, we read this every month, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. You know the reason why Deacon Gersh was telling me this morning, they sat, I guess there was a meeting and they had the state of, you know, affairs for the city of St. Petersburg and how we're doing everything. You know, he gonna give me, share with me the report. I, I like that. Uh, you know why the city of St. Petersburg is doing so well? Okay, I'm going to come over here. Y'all know why the city of St. Peter's been doing so well? 
It's because the word of prosperity in this house and we've been prophesying over this city for the last 15 years. See, we're beyond our, just ourselves. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. So when you and I bless a city, the whole city gets raised up. So when you bless a neighborhood, the neighborhood gets raised up. When you bless your family, your family gets raised up. Everything, everything is based upon what you and I, God's ambassadors, God's uh, legislative force in the earth. Can I show you this here? Glory to God. I got to keep going. Uh, Job 22, verse 27. Job, no, no, give me, give me Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21. Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21. Glory to God. They're going to help me out. I'm going to move fast. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, not from the government, because they'll shut down on you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, I can't depend on that, because everybody thinks, well, you get a government job, you set. From the produce of his lips, his lips he shall be filled. So your life is going to be the, the fruit of what, the result of what you speak. Verse 21, 21, 21, 20, verse 18, 21, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life in the power of the tongue. He that loveth shall eat the fruit thereof. Oh, that's King James. He that, who, those who love it will eat its fruit. So death and life is in the power of the tongue. So what you speak, what you say has everything to do with, and now, now listen, 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 listen. This is critical because we're talking about building up critical mass. Some of us, we ain't say, remember, I, remember the Lord gave us the word June 16th, 2017, about financial miracles happening in our lives every day? Some of us, you said, you said it for two days and you ain't said it since. Well, ain't nothing happened in my life. Duh! It can't happen without you using your voice. Your, your life, oh, I, I, I like modern technology, Kirkland. I like it. Kirkland, Kirk, he's a tech man. I'm not a techie like he is, but I, I do like it from time to time because everything now is so hands-free. It's hands-free. It's voice-activated. Light on. Door open. TV off. Am I right about it? Uh, Google uh, Play, Play Pandora or something. You know, we can just ride in your car. You just ain't think, just, just, just see speaking. And don't y'all like that stuff? Isn't that cool? Hey, Siri, what's on my calendar today? Don't y'all like that stuff? It's just, oh, it's, wow, wow, wow. That's just, it's, it's, just out, it's just astonishing to me. Well, guess what? Your life is voice activated. Money cometh to me now. By his stripes I am healed. Let the weak say, I am strong. I'm the head, not the tail above, only not beneath. My children are told of the Lord, blessed shall be the peace of my children. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue rise against me in judgment, I condemn it. See, if we're not saying anything, then, then God can't move the way he wants to move because he left you here as a legislative force in the earth. Give me Job 22, 27, please. Job 22, 27. Glory to God. You will make your prayer to him. We prayed, right? 
You say you, you make your prayer to him, you prayed, right? Yes. He says he will hear you tell you that, but he hears you. And you'll pay your vows. I'll deal with it later on. You'll pay your vows. Now watch verse 28. Verse 28. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you so light will shine on your ways. You can come out of the dark by your voice. Whatever you declare, whatever you decree is established unto you. Matthew 16 and verse 16. Matthew 16, glory to God. In verse 19, rather. Matthew 16, verse 19. This is Jesus talking to Peter, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You got keys. I always laugh at my, my, my buddy Oscar, boy. Oscar got a chain full of keys, boy. Y'all ever see Oscar walk around here, boy, just like an old janitor? Hey. Just jing, 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 jing. We were, we were in Frankfort, Kentucky. Frankfort is what, a thousand miles, fifteen hundred miles away? It's several states away in a conference. And I look up, here go Oscar, with all the keys. Now, I know none of those keys work up here in Frankfurt. You can't tell me those keys work in Frankfurt. But he got his keys on him, because I mean, he ain't gonna be without his keys. A man and his keys, boy. I love you, keys. But when you know the value, when you know what those keys can do, you don't leave your keys behind. And most of us leave our keys in the church and go home with the locked doors. And how come this door won't open? Because you left your keys in the church. Tell your neighbor, stop leaving your keys in the church. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on, in, on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the power of binding and loosing is in your mouth. God, do it. No, you do it. I gave you the keys. Glory to God. Tell your neighbor, I have my keys. I'm going to use my keys. Give me that same verse in the CEV real quick. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and God in heaven will allow whatever you allow on earth. Did you catch that? He'll allow whatever you allow on earth. If you keep allowing it, he'll allow it. Because you're the sons of God, you have the authority on this earth. So whatever you allow, he allows. How come that's happening? How come God let that happen to me? Because you let it happen. God, how come you keep letting this happen? You keep letting it happen, not him. He can only do what you allow. And whatever you, but he will not allow anything that you don't allow. So if you don't like it, stop allowing it. Ask your neighbor, what are you saying? Oh, it's 12.49. That's three. Is, this, is three enough? No. How, how many want me to keep going? Let me take a vote. Okay. All right. Okay, I asked it before this next one because the next one, y'all might leave anyway. What was number one? What was it? Number two? Number three? 
Number four, what am I sowing? May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another in Jesus' name. I'm talking about critical mass. I'm critical mass. I'm praying. I'm praying. Pastor, I keep on praying. Praise the Lord. I need a financial breakthrough, Pastor. I keep praying. Praise God. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, anybody know what a six-cylinder engine is? Most of our cars, a lot of our cars today, most of our cars are six-cylinder engines. You ever heard the phrase, hitting on all cylinders? If any of the cylinders are not hitting, your car <laughs> stall out. <laughs> yeah. Am I right, Oscar? You got to get all, all six of them cylinders got to be working. I'm praying. I believe. I, I'm confessing. Financial miracles happen in my life every day. Oh, my life ain't going nowhere. Oh, oh, what, what are you sowing? Sowing? Oh, no. No. Oh, no. No, see, I don't believe you got to do that. I don't believe you got to do that. Well, go back to Job 22, verse 27. 22, verse 27. We just read it about, about your decree. But before you decree, he said, and you will pay your vows. So what am I sowing? No seed equals no harvest. Little seed equals little harvest. Big seed equals big harvest. Is that the word of God? 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. Oh God. I'm going to help the people of God. Hallelujah, I'm preaching by experience. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap. And he who sows bountifully will also reap. So no seed, no harvest, little seed, little harvest, big seed, big harvest. Tell you that, but put a seed on it. Glory to God. Well, what, what, Pastor, what's a big seed? I don't know what your big seed is. What's a big seed? See, when, when a few years ago, my wife and I, we had, well, I, I've been saying we had $10, but we had $16 in our, because I remember we, we had the six to go, to go eat. We, we, we were sitting in a meeting, and a man of God received an offering, and the Lord said, told me to get that $10 bill, out of $10 bill. So that $10 bill left us $6 to eat off, four of us. When, <laughs> is that Glenn? Hey. Hey. So for us, $10 was a big seed. See, it's not, it's not how much it is. It's, it's the next verse, verse 7. It's verse 7. Is you getting some purpose in your heart. Is you getting purpose in your heart. I can't determine for you what a big seed is or what a little seed is. Only you know what a big seed is and what a little seed is. But when you want a significant change in your life, you can't, you can't spend more on a person than you give in a seed. You had no problem buying the purse. Michael Kors. What's all that? All them purses, I don't know all them curses. I mean, I know some of them, but you know, you, you get all that. Oh, you big baller now, but, but never have a seed that ever matched that cost. 
crying about finances, but you've never sown a seed that matches what you spent for that purse. Preach, pastor. Preach, pastor. I think I will. I'm saying the right stuff, but you ain't sowing nothing. Yeah, everybody wearing Gucci slides. What's what, them, them Gucci pool? Gucci pool slides. I told my, my wife one day, she was looking at this, this, this young girl. This is a young old girl. She's like, oh, that girl got Gucci pool slides. I said, yeah, but you got a pool. What? What? Don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. $300 on plastic slides and can't pay your rent. That don't make any sense to me. So what am I sowing? Everybody say, what am I sowing? Now watch, now watch, now watch what happens. So, so there's something called seed faith. Oral Roberts wrote, wrote a book. Doc, y'all remember Dr. Oral Roberts? He's going here in heaven now. Wrote a book called Seed Faith. Oh my God. It is good. It's really good. Oh, my God. And, and see, faith is what makes everything happen. When you so see faith, you are, your, your seed faith activates harvest grace. It activates financial grace. How do I know? Because it's right there in verse 8. After you've sown your seed faith, it says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have, having all sufficiency in all things. Now, that's enough. But we're talking tipping point. He says, may have an abundance for every good work. So you've crossed over just having enough now into supernatural financial abundance. That's now when you are living in the overflow. What am I sowing? What am I sowing? What am I sowing? Glory to God. Luke 6.38. Give me Luke 6.38. Y'all know that one, right? Giving it shall be given to you. Good message. Press down, shaking together, running over. Giving it your bosom. Give me, that, give me that in the Passion Translation. The Passion Translation. Watch this. Give generously, and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more. Keep going. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. I want to live life over the top. Keep going, please. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. That's how it works. I know most people, this, all of a sudden you hear this answer and the answer becomes your problem, but it's the answer. It's how you get to critical mass. What am I believing? What am I praying? What am I saying? What am I sowing? And then I got to make sure I ask this question. When, I, when I'm sowing, my purpose is not just about me receiving more. Am I sowing for kingdom purpose? Am I using my finances to advance the kingdom of God? Am I a paymaster of the gospel? Paul said in Philippians 4.19, Paul said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But he said that based on the fact that they were partnering with his ministry. So here we are. We're saying, my God supplies all my needs. We're saying the right thing. 
but there's not been any seed to go along with that that qualifies you for that verse. That's, that's how it works. That's just how it works. So I've got to become kingdom minded. My wife and I had this, this phrase that, the, that we, we adopted from our spiritual parents, and we said this, debt free, living in abundance, pay masters of the gospel. Debt free, living in abundance, pay masters of the gospel. That was our goal, our, our, our desire to be debt free, uh, living in abundance, pay masters of the gospel. But it, got, it, it came into our hearts early on, wait a minute. It, we, we may want it to be in that order, but we've got to practice pay masters of the gospel first. It, when we became paymasters of the gospel, that what, that's what made us, made, past tense, made us debt-free. That's why we're debt-free now. That's why we're living in abundance now. Because we started being paymasters at the level that we were. You got to start where you are. I'm about God's agenda. I'm about God's kingdom. So we invest in his kingdom all over the place. So we partner with ministries. I mean, we give, give to the, give to the pregnancy center. We give, I mean, personally, give to the, 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 uh, the Haitian orphanage personally, not just what the church does personally. The St. Petersburg free clinic, just give to them. You go and you go to the grocery store. They say, hey, would you like to give two, three dollars or five dollars? Yes. Don't be mad at that, y'all. Just give you the answers right here. Number one, what? Number two. Come on, hurry up. Number three. Number four. Number five. What am I doing? What am I doing? Because faith without works is dead or incomplete. So what actions? I'm talking about critical mass. Get enough of the right things going on that you, you start to produce results. James 2, verse 14. Get on the screen for me, please. What am I doing? James 2, 14. What does it profit my brother if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Oh, I believe, Reverend. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, if they're missing something, they're lacking something, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warned, be filled. I spoke the right things, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? So when I see someone in need, am I just praying for them? Or am I doing something? I'm talking about what's going to produce this critical mass in your life and push you over the top. So there must always be actions with what I'm doing. Look at me, verse 17, please. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So you can have faith, but it be dead faith. Come on, right? How many of y'all, you ever, you ever had a dead battery? Was it still a battery? It was just dead, though. But it's still a battery. So you can have faith, but if it's not doing anything, there's no action with it. It's just dead faith. And a dead battery won't start a car. A dead battery won't power your watch. So I don't want my faith to be dead. Verse 20, please. Verse 20, same chapter. But do you know, but do you want to know, old foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? In other words, God gave him an instruction and his faith made him act on it. So you have to act on whatever God's saying in your life. Verse 22, do you see that faith was working together with his works 
and by works, faith was made perfect. Faith was made perfect. So you can have also an imperfect faith or an incomplete faith. Hmm? We read about dead faith. Now, you can have a dead battery, or you can have a battery that's not dead, but it's not enough cranking amps to start your car. Anybody ever had that? I get in the car, Pastor, and the lights still come on, the radio comes on. Oh, yeah, because it don't, it don't take much to turn your lights on. It don't take much to turn your radio on. But if you want to get this car cranking and going, you got to have enough cranking amps in that battery. It's, it's a battery. It ain't dead, but it's incomplete. So the way you, way you get your faith out of being dead, the way you get out of being incomplete is you got to do something with what you know. When you believe, you act on it. When you believe, you act on it. Last one. Last one. Y'all have, y'all have stood the test, boy. Help me out. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Now, you got to answer your own questions about your doing. You know, what, you know what you're supposed to be doing. Diligence. Doing something. If you're a business owner, do something. If you're working a job, do something. Don't just show up to work. Do something. In fact, ask the Lord for the wisdom to do something beyond. Do something. Like, be on time. Do something like dress appropriately. Like dress for where you want to go. Not for where you are. Some folks dress for where they came from. They don't even dress for where they are. Working job. I'm working corporate jobs. How you work in corporate America and dress like, you know? Send them home. I remember back in the day, boy, teachers and principals, they used to always be. I was out volunteering at school one time. I didn't know the teachers from the students. I'm like, what? What the? Yeah, no respect because you, you, you don't even dress differently. You don't even dress becoming of someone worthy of respect. Well, that ain't no big deal. These are actions. You're talking about your life going somewhere. You got to now put some action to your faith. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, then stay where you are. But I'm believing God. There's somebody here who's ready to move and ready to, ready to. Everybody shout last one. Am I praising? Am I praising? Praising? I'm sowing. Yeah. But you in tears. Still. Am I praising? Not am I singing? Because you can sing and not praise. Most of this sappy. I just, oh my God. I can, if I can't dance to it, it ain't nothing. It's, Your praise is critical, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, you're asking with thanksgiving. 
Your praise is important. You got you to put a praise on it. That's just like I told you earlier, put a seed on it. You got to put a praise on it too. You got to get up and act like today, any moment, boy. Ooh. Any moment going to be my day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm excited. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Today is going to be my day. Today, God, you're doing something. Even if even you don't move in my life, you're moving in my brother's life. You're moving in my friend's life. You're moving in my family. You're moving in for somebody. You're moving. You're moving someone on this planet today. You're doing something, God. And I'm praising you, God, because you're worthy. You're wonderful. You're good. When I think of what you've already done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. God, I thank you and I praise you. I give it this morning. I awaken the dawn. I awaken the dawn with my praise. That's what the, 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 the psalmist said, I awaken the dawn with my praise. That means when I wake up, I praise. I don't wake up and wait that something happens to praise. I wake up with a praise on my lips, with thanksgiving in my heart, with glory, 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 glory in my mouth. I wake up with a praise. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I say that. I awaken the dawn with my praise. That means I wake the dawn up. I say, I, I praise God, I get the day started. You, you know, Lord, help, help me say what I'm saying. Not, not I start the day with a praise. I start the day. Y'all know what he was going to say. Not, not I start off the day. I, I get the day started. My praise makes my day start. This is the day. The Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I get the day started. When I praise, it's going to be a good day. When I praise, it's going to be a glorious day. When I praise, it's going to be a big occasion. When I praise, it's going to be a big event. When I praise. And most of the body of Christ are still, still so Somber, solemn, trapped in the emotions of yesterday's failures and aren't praising God for today's victories. And if you never praise God in advance for today's victories, when, when the children of Judah got out there and they faced this army, and they were trying to figure out how they're going to fight this army. God says, send your praise team out there. Consult with some singers who get out there and praise and say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they did that, God set ambushments against the enemy and God whipped the enemy on their behalf. Our enemies are beating us because we're not praising God like he needs to be praised. You need to praise God a whole lot more than you praise Him. Every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, you gotta praise the Lord. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him for His excellent greatness. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise Him with the harp. Praise Him with the cymbal. Praise Him with the tambourine. Praise Him on the high sound of cymbal. Praise Him with the loud sound of cymbal. Praise Him with the, with the temple and with the dance. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. 
The only qualification, according to Psalm 150, is to have breath. The only qualification is just you got, you got to have breath. If you don't have breath, you have an excuse not to praise God. Because the Bible says the dead don't praise the Lord. The dead don't praise him. Well, the dead don't praise him because they can't. But if I have breath in my body, I praise the Lord. Let the old folk praise. Let the young folk praise. Let the babies praise. Bible said in Psalm 8, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings. Oh God, y'all missed that. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have perfected praise. You have ordained strength. You have perfected praise and ordained strength. The same phrase. Did you catch that? When you, you have out of mouth of babes and suckling, you have, you have uh, ordained strength. That's good. You have ordained strength. Ordained strength means perfected praise. Or when you perfect your praise, you are ordaining strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you faint in the day of adversity, it's because your strength is small. Be not weary in well-doing for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. The reason why you're fainting is because your strength is small. The reason why your strength is small is because you don't exercise your joy. Did you just follow that what I just showed you? You're fainting the way and get no harvest, no manifestation because your strength is too small. Your strength is small because you have no joy. Joel, give me Joel chapter 1 and verse 12. I believe it is in the King James. Joel chapter 1 verse 12 in the King James. It says the vine, watch this y'all, the vine is dried up and the fig tree languisheth, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered because everything dries up because your joy is dried up. But if you can find a way to get your praise out, now, I'm going to show you something here. I'm going to show you something. You can stand. I'm, you ain't, we ain't going too far. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm, I'm going to give you three scriptures. Exodus 15 and verse 2 in the New King James. Exodus 15 and verse 2 in the New King James. Do y'all see that? This is when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Miriam... Moses' sister and a prophetess leads all the women in a praise service. I don't know where the men were, but the women got them tambourines and cymbals and everything. The women, they, they, the men, you know, the men kind of, they'll dance like this, you know, but the women, they kind of, you know, the women. So God had the women got there and praise the Lord. Now watch what he says, what she says here. The Lord, she's prophesying. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation he is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Now watch this, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to hear this. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. Remember I say, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. Now watch. See the phrase, and I will praise him. Now I'm going to have them switch to the King James Version, and I want you to see the same verse and see the only difference in the verse. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him 
inhabitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Oh, y'all missed that. In the New King James, it said, and I will praise him. But the King James, the original text says, I will prepare him a habitation. Well, Pastor, what's the difference? Is that a contradiction? No. My praise prepares a habitation for God. And if you need God to visit your house, if you need God to visit your situation, if you need God to visit your life, you got to prepare him a habitation. Well, Pastor, how do I prepare my habitation? I will praise him. Your praise isn't just making noise. Your praise isn't just making music. Your praise is preparing a habitation for visitation. Give me, give me Psalm, Psalm 22 and verse 3. I believe it is. Psalm 22 and verse 3. Oh, God, King James. Give me King James. King James. Oh, glory, glory to God. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. So God takes up residence. See, in order for God to, have, to bring a visitation, we have to give him a habitation. The habitation is a, is a clear invitation for visitation. You missed it. The habitation is an invitation for visitation, which brings manifestation, which brings revelation to the world. And I told you, What's going to happen this year, the big event that's going to change your life, change your family, change your future, change your business, change your marriage, change this ministry, change this city, change the world is the visitation of God. But when is he going to show up? When we finish preparing him a habitation. That's why we can't half step with our praise and worship. You can't be sad and solemn wine crying. You gotta, I mean, a crazy praise like you don't know nothing. You don't know nothing. Just, just pray because when you do that, your praise prepares a habitation for the Lord. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six. Everybody on your feet. I believe we can prepare him a habitation right now. No, how many of y'all need a visitation from the Lord? How many of y'all need God? Give me one more verse on the screen. Give me Psalm 35, 27, New King James. This is good. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity. So God has pleasure, but he said you got to start praising him. Shouting for joy, being glad, and saying continually, let the Lord be magnified. Why? It's creating a habitation for the Lord. So I'm believing right, and I'm praying right, 
and I'm saying right, and I'm sowing right, and I'm doing right, but I got to be praising the Lord at the same time. And when I get all that stuff, all six cylinders working, now I can put that thing in drive. You might have started out in down and down in, in one. Am, am, I, am, I, am I right about this, Devin? Devin, Devin driving them big old 18 wheelers. Now you gotta start that thing down and low, don't you? You start out, you can't start out high. Some of y'all, you wanna start out right? No, no, you gotta start it down in one. Put some gas on it, then you shift. Come on, shift with me, just shoot. Then you shift down to two and she shift again. Some of y'all, you never knew what them numbers down on your, you got three, two, one on your, you don't know. The one is when you're going uphill, when you got an uphill battle, you got you to put it down, shift down a little bit. But as you start building your speed and building momentum, you keep shifting up. Before you know it, now you can get the, get the thing and drive and Are you ready? Can we give God a couple minutes of just raucous praise for habitation where he comes and visits your house, visit your life, visit this place? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Lord! 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 Praise you, Lord!
I'm going to read something here. We're going to read something. Keep that note. I know. Come on, I might, I might preach it. I might preach it. Psalm 149. Psalm 149. The whole thing. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. And it's praise in the assembly. Give me the new King James. New King James. Come on. In the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children be joyful. Verse 3. Let them praise his name. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Let them praise his name. This ain't gonna cut it. This ain't gonna cut it. This ain't gonna cut it. I said this ain't gonna cut it. You, you just ain't in the club, we ain't at the wall. No, I mean dance. If you gotta get you some room, it's room, it's an aisle, whatever it is. Cause you're gonna dance. You're gonna dance. And God's gonna visit your house. Are you ready? One, two, three, dance!
gonna break out of your life. Some gonna break out of your family. Some gonna break out of your marriage. Some gonna break out of your home. Some gonna break out of your ministry. Some gonna break out of your business. Some gonna break out of your ministry. Some gonna break out of your life.
One last thing. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. I'm believing God for a visitation in my house. I'm believing God to show up in my family. I'm believing God to show up in my life. So I'm going to praise him. 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 Right now. I ain't going to wait till he show up. I'm going to praise him.
It ain't going to take y'all 30 years. He's going to make a quick work out of your life. When I release this anointing on you, there's about to be an explosion in the DeBose household. Ready? Take this anointing right now. Shout a praise right now. Everything inside you. Every hurt. Let him hear. 